My name is Bilan Nahiwet. And to me, solidarity means standing up to be counted among those who would not have you die. It's saying that I need neither convincing nor justification of your worth to dare to be counted among those who would not have you die. Um, it means that my solidarity is my honor and that it is also for my honor. Solidarity means that the other's gains increase only as my privilege decreases and that it is rightly so. You're listening to the Worldwide Underground. My name is Gabriel Teodros, and this is episode three of this experiment in podcasting. My last episode featured Derek Dizon. We had an extended conversation about grief as a gateway to liberation. The episode before that had a ton of artists across all mediums and generations talking about what solidarity means for us as artists in this time. Today, my guest is an incredible poet, a therapist from right here in Seattle, Washington, by way of Tigray. Her name is Bilin Nahiwetz. And you may have heard her on my latest LP, From the Ashes of Our Homes. My original idea for this podcast, for the first few episodes at least, were to do a deep dive into that album, From the Ashes of Our Homes, through the voices of all of the artists featured. With everything popping off in the world, especially in Palestine and Gaza, it didn't feel right to just focus on an album, you know? But as Belin reminded me off mic, this album, From the Ashes of Our Homes, is taking on a completely new meaning with everything going on in Gaza, Sudan, the Congo, and yes, Tigray. We get into all of that in this episode, as well as Belin's journey in writing. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoy it. You can tap into gabrielteodros.substack.com for more episodes like this and the best way to support all of the work that we do is right there on that Substack. Appreciate you all so much. Here's Belin on the Tigray interlude for my latest LP. Ashes. My heart is a world. In it, Tigray is free. The land neither besieged nor looted. The air clear of strikes and slaughter. Our bodies no longer battlefields. Our love, the only thing, burning. surprised me when you came in to record for the album um, because I didn't actually remember the first time we met. Uh-huh. I, th- I thought I met you maybe through your sister Aksum, but yeah. it turned out that we had met like maybe a decade or so earlier. Can you, can you retell that story? Yeah, we met at um, a poetry workshop 
it was somewhere in the central district, I want to say, mm-hmm. you know, the details are a little fuzzy now, but yeah, it was about 10 or 11 of us. And I came in late, you guys were sitting in a circle. It was, you know, pretty rivalry vibes there. You know, everyone had their notebooks and stuff out. And um, I remember we were given a prompt um, and we wrote and we got to sharing. <laughs> this is actually kind of embarrassing, but I, I didn't identify as a poet. I hadn't written poetry. Uh-huh. I don't even know how I caught wind of that event, but I went saw you there. I, I remember you introduced yourself and I think I might've just said my name. And then you, you read a piece that you wrote in the class. It was time to share. And I was, I just remember thinking, I don't belong here. These people, wow. <laughs> wow. I don't know what I was thinking. And so I slipped out because after you guys shared, it was you and one other person. I was like, there's no way I'm going to share. And I remember mm-hmm. the first line of my poem. I still remember. It was like, when I'm with you, I don't worry about rhyme. And I was like, I can't say this. I can't say this out loud. Ooh, that's fire, though. Hold on. <laughs> I mean, now looking back, I'm like, I should have just stayed, right? But I just, I was intimidated because everyone was using big words and I felt like there was a form to some of the pieces. And I was like, I don't know the first thing about this. Yeah. Yeah. So I always remembered you from then. (laughs) Yeah. That's so wild to me because you're, you're a brilliant poet. You're, you know, you're on three songs on this new album. Um, And when you told me that story, I just felt like robbed of, of an ally that I could have had in the community for all this time. (laughs) You know, I was like, Oh man, what if we were more welcoming back then? Like maybe I would have grown up with you, like knowing you like closer for, you know, cause that was probably what, like 10 years before we actually remet. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it was definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It was like early two thousands or something. Yeah. (laughs) I want to say. Yeah. That's such a, that's such a wild story. Um, so it you were kind to- though. You were welcoming. Everyone was welcoming. It was okay. it was just, you know, insecurity. And like I said, uh-huh. it was it was just my curiosity that led me to the space. And I was like, oh, I'm not ready for this. Yeah. <laughs> I have to go do work privately. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad you did whatever work you had to do because the results are amazing. I mean, you put out your first book in 2020. I have it right here. It's called Plenty. Mm-hmm. Um, 2021. Was it 21? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What was, so what, what was your journey as a writer like from that, from that point, you know? Mm. Yeah. So I've always written, I've always identified as a writer. That's just, that's my love language. That's Mm. how I Mm -hmm. think. So I've kept a journal as long as I can remember, but poetry was always this thing that felt like, it was far too sophisticated for me, right? Like I enjoyed reading poetry and I have read as long as I can remember. But Mm -hmm. um, so outside of just writing for school, my undergrad, I I have a BA in uh, creative writing. Uh, So I thought I'd maybe be a journalist or some kind of fiction writer, but I didn't take either of those routes. Mm. Um, And it wasn't until 2017 um, so three years into becoming a, a mental health professional, I just, mm-hmm. my life just took a turn and yeah, in the middle of the night, this, this, um, I don't know, I call it like some kind of reckoning was happening and 
I, it was revealed to me that I, I needed to pursue the calling and that maybe I'd even picked up on it, but this was the first time where it was like, this is what you're meant to do. Do it or, Mm. or, or, or don't, but at least be, you can no longer say that you don't know what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. And so I just, first thing I did the very, in the middle of the night, I started Googling about, well, who can help me with this? And I ended up locating, um, some, I think she was calling herself a writer or poet consultant, um, a woman named Joy out of Denver. And so I shot her an email in the middle of the night and I was like, I have some thoughts. Could you, you know, mm. show me the ropes? And that was, that was how Plenty came about. Did you have um, did you have a bunch of poems written at that point by the I, time you re- reached mm, out to Joy? Not a bunch, not okay. a bunch, but I'd written some pieces. Um, I didn't know that they were poetry is what it was. So in my email, mm-hmm. I said, I've written some things and I've often gotten the feedback that my writing, even when it was academic and, and just sharing with friends and, you know, people, oh, that's so poetic but no one called me a poet. Right. And that was, Mm. and so when I emailed her, I said, I'd love to send you about three or four pieces. Um, I don't know if it's poetry, but Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I'd like to get at. And so she, she, she was so gracious. She wrote me back and was like, definitely poetry. And she was like, it's not only is it poetry, she's like, it's good. And I just like, I'll take it. (laughs) I'm going to choose to believe you. Yeah. And then what, what, what happened after that? After that, um, I just kept writing and, um, sending it to her. I didn't know that I was, I wasn't actually, um, trying Mm. to come up with a collection. I had no end goal, but it was like, something was telling me I needed to write and circumstances of my life at that time, Mm -hmm. there were just a lot of things stirring with Mm -hmm. family and Mm -hmm. my childhood. Also being a therapist, I'm thinking about, past and present. So a lot of things were, uh, yeah, taking place internally. And so as I wrote, I just, you know, send it to her, maybe I write in a week and by the end of the week, send her the pieces and get her thoughts. And I think it was her that said, I think this is a book. Wow. Yeah. Uh And so I was like, are you sure? And, and what she would do is you know, she'd tell me about what was working, what, what were my strengths and what areas did I need to develop? Cause I didn't have any formal, uh, poetry training. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, that's how it came about. And before I knew it, I had a whole batch. Yeah. And, uh, so I went through and picked the ones that were speaking to each other uh-huh. and that's how Plenty was born. That's beautiful. That writing partner and and having that person that can be honest with you is so is so clutch. It's so key. Mm-hmm. Like I'm glad you found that even virtually. That's a that's a different story than most like writers that I've talked to. You know, mm-hmm. um, finding what do someone, you mean? finding someone online. Uh. You know, like so yeah. So many people I know like you know. They might have another friend that does it or they meet someone in person or they go to a class like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's dope. And yeah. And I think it's I think it's great that you don't have any formal training, because when I read your poetry and when I hear your poetry, like in your voice on the album, things like that, like it's it's clear that it's it's your voice. Like, I don't get that you're trying to sound like anyone like I couldn't. Mm. 
I can't read your book and pinpoint like, oh, these are these are your influences. You know what I mean? Like it's it's you, you know, it's honest. Oh. And um and I think I told you like reading your reading your book is like it's also like so, so, so personal, you know, like I feel like I know I know stuff about your life that you probably wouldn't tell me, you know, <laughs> over coffee. If we you know, <laughs> hung out right. like 10 days in a row, I probably <laughs> probably wouldn't know these things about you, but it's in your book, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's true. Yeah. Who 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 would you say are your your influences in poetry? Oh, my. Um I yeah, I mean there's so many, but Nikki Giovanni for sure, mm. Lucille Clifton, mm. Warson Shire. She's yes. you know, I remember coming across her poetry early on. I wasn't even on what was that app everyone started off at? It's not Tumblr. Tumblr, yeah. Yeah. And I had a friend who had an account on there and she would share, you know, her poetry with me. And I'm like, Oh wow, this resonates so it was I, I could only aspire, right? That's what I was thinking. Um, yeah. And I still do. I mean, she's incredible. That makes um, sense. I feel like Warsan like influenced the whole generation. Easy. Yeah. 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 Especially, you know, being that she was African mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and speaking to, I mean, even, even the, the details were different, you know, with the Somali background. Um, it resonated because so much about the immigrant experience, the refugee experience. And I thought, okay, I felt seen in that. Yeah, right. and so I know what it did for me, um, but yeah, Claudia Rankin. There, I mean, mm-hmm. countless mm-hmm. poets. Really, I'm looking at a shelf now full of, and some that aren't, you know, so well known. They might be people I came across on um, Instagram or something else who are equally talented, but they don't have, you know, the fame, but yeah. you know, less influential. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, uh, you 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 pointed out that, you know, where son is also East African, like it, it reminds me of like part of why I was so excited to see that you had published your first book, you know, one, because, you know, I had already known you. I met you before, uh-huh. you know, yeah. Um, but also like, you know, in that time that that you you met me, you know, in the late 90s or early 2000s, whenever it was um, in the Central District, like. In that time period, I had only met two other East African writers in my life, and there were none that I knew outside of Seattle either, you know? Mm. Um, that's why I'm like, ah, oh, I felt robbed, like, not knowing you, because each one of those relationships meant so much, because there were so few of us out here um, exploring our lives, you know, with that, with that craft, you know? Um, right. And it's risky. Yeah. There's a reason for that. It's pretty yeah. risky to, like you were saying about my book being personal, like to, I mean, it's so countercultural, both as a Tigrayan and just being African and then just mm-hmm. being black. You know, we don't really talk about what hurts, That's not right. publicly, you know, and so, um, right. yeah. And and, yeah. Yeah. And it's so necessary. I mean, as you know, like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like one of the things that um, keeps me writing and one of the reasons I've always written is is this thing about historical trauma, right? Like we carry so much of our parents' trauma and the trauma of being displaced. Mm-hmm. And if we don't do anything to heal that trauma, like it plays out and the next generation has to deal with it, you know? And um, mm-hmm. yeah, that culture of secrecy, like I know in my family, like my parents don't 
talk about the dirt, you know, they don't talk about, they don't talk about the eighties, you know, when everyone left in, in huge numbers, like it's, mm-hmm. it's just something not spoken about in our house, but they all carry scars, mm-hmm. you know, even the ones that, cause my mom left early, like even the scars of like not being there, you know, the, the survivor's guilt, like that doesn't even get talked about. Mm-hmm. I know it's there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, to add to that, mm-hmm. the culture of secrecy, I think I would even say it's a culture of shame. Yes, very much so. I think we get it from a lot of places, too. I think religion is a big part of it. Oh, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Say, say more, though, about, about the culture of shame. Well, just um, both, like, explicitly, you know, you're shamed for showing in the ways that you're human, which is, like, less than, mm-hmm. you know, presenting um, with anything less than, like, I'm fine, I'm great, life is good, I'm, you know, that that narrative but also like we we tend to be shamed or feel shame around i'm lost like i don't belong i am struggling to figure things out just like the basics um i think you know and then add to that there is all the things that are associated with war and just general trauma you know being a young girl, you know, what it means to be a woman, a young girl in the world and all the things around that kind of, um, that is just taboo. It doesn't even cut it. Like it's, it's the thing that's like you, it's located in the, in the individual and it's like, it must not see the light of day. And that Mm -hmm. never sat well with me. It never does. And so Mm -hmm. I, as risky as it is, I, I, I like to challenge myself. It's important to me to challenge myself to, to just air it to say this happened if nothing else just to say this happened yeah and 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 maybe that allows someone else to be like this happened too absolutely absolutely and I, i think sometimes we don't you know we don't get past our secrets you know as long as it's a secret you know mm-hmm. they become they become these walls they become these blocks that like really like they hold us in you know so yeah. naming naming the thing is a way to find a way to overcome it, but you have to name it first, right? Like You're right. On, some, on some James Baldwin, you know. Um, yeah, you know some of the some of the poems in your book that um, really hit home um, that I thought were really powerful were some of the poems to your sisters. Yeah. I was I was wondering, like, how how has your family responded to your poetry? Oh my, my fav- my sisters are my favorite people in the world for yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so they're so supportive. They're incredibly mm. supportive. They're proud. Um, I think along with that, it's, it's the, that's not the only um, feeling around, you know, having a poet or someone who's publicly, disclo- you know, discussing their life that involves you. So mm. I think on some level, not that anyone's ever said like, I wish you wouldn't, but I think I, I, I can send some of the discomfort you know even if it's not directly about you know that person just even talking about my dad for example you know I'm and talking about my own relationship and all the ups and downs therein it's gonna mean something to my sister that who has a similar or different relationship with him right so Mm -hmm. it's in a way it's hard to tell your story as a sibling and not have it be also their story right and so there, I do feel a sense of responsibility about um, how I'm bringing them along mm. and maybe, you know, 
not that I need permission, um, but I do feel I have their consent because they don't. Um, I mean, they're they're the ones that are like, my sister's a poet and here's the book she's written. They're just, cause I'm not good at all that like promotion stuff. But mm. um, often when people find out about my work uh, independently, it's cause one of my siblings, one of my many siblings has yeah. been, you know, raving about me or something. So. I think that's how I found out you had a book published. <laughs> <laughs> Probably my sister Aksu. <laughs> I think, I think that's how I found that out. And I was like, what? So excited. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but wow. at the end of the day, it's your story, right? I do feel like our my story is mine to tell, and mm-hmm. everyone will just adjust, right? As long as you're not doing any harm, it's important. Right, right. With my music, you know, it's it's, it's obviously like it's also very personal. Um, mm-hmm. I I hurt someone's feelings one time because I admitted something in a song that I hadn't talked to them about. And it and it impacted, you know, uh, I was processing a relationship, basically, you know, mm-hmm. and they found out in the audience while I was performing the song and I felt so horrible. Like ever since that moment, I've. Um, when I write a, when I write a song that involves somebody else's life. I, I go and share it with them first to get their consent to share it, you know. Mm. Yeah, I call That's it I call practice. it. I call it my sample clearance because I'm sampling from their life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's but, um, great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something I just learned to do because I never wanted to be in that position. I never want, I never want to hurt anyone with, with some words, you know, yeah. unless, unless I do. <laughs> right. Or, or unless, or unless communication has become, I mean, there's a few songs I can think of where communication with the person was no longer possible or, it just wasn't happening anymore, but I still needed to say something and mm-hmm. I wanted them to hear it, even yeah. if other people heard it. Like there's songs like that too. So, yeah. 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 That's, that's, yeah, I think that's good practice when it makes sense. Um, I do think on some level that, you know, by, by just the fact that someone's in your life, mm. um, it doesn't necessarily mean or a part of your story or experience that, y- you know, y- they have to approve of mm-hmm. what you do with it, with, with what you do with your own experience, whether it's of them or something connected to them. Yeah. So I, um, for me, it's like, it's a risk I'm willing to take. And it's like, if the relationship yeah. is solid and strong enough, we can talk about it. Right. That, and there's, there right. can be repair if it results in some kind of tension. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a writer, if you worry so much about what someone's going to do with your work, then you cease to write authentically. So for me, it's like I had to write like mm-hmm. I had all the freedom in the world because otherwise it would be it wouldn't be as honest. I'm glad you said that. That's real. Yeah. Yeah. That's super real. Yeah. Um, good advice for writers out there. I like it. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for getting on my album. I'm hoping we could talk about oh, my some, pleasure. I some... love your album. Thank you. I am such I love it. It's so I mean, I pretty much know <laughs> most of the words, if not wow. all. I do listen to it. Um I, I I do think it's your best. Thank you. That, I was so that... honored that you'd you asked for me to, you know, join the project because 
it's, it's something dear to my heart, you know, just thinking about home and, and what we do with ashes. Yo, thank you so much. It means so much. Um, I really think your perspective was necessary, you know, um, especially on songs like Soul Cries or Dust Like. What is home when it turns on you? Is it still home? Was it ever home? You know now that home is where the hate is, where the heart knows no peace. So it goes, falling to pieces. Try to keep it together as you run for cover, as you rush to gather essentials for your escape. Go and keep going and dare to look back at the devastation. Be still and remember that dust is the source of life. The last three years of what's been happening in Ethiopia and in Tigray specifically. It's just mm. been, I mean, as you know, like, it's just been so devastating. It's, it's, it's forever altered the way that I think of home. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something that I find I have a hard time talking about publicly because mm, I am mostly in mixed company, <laughs> if you know mm -hmm. what I mean. Mm -hmm. it's, I it's, it's very rare that I'm like in like Ethiopian spaces to, I can't, to where I can have like Ethiopian conversations about mm -hmm. things that we need to work on as a community, you know. Mm -hmm. um, for most of the last three years, I was on KXP and a majority of my listeners were white, mm -hmm. you know, and I opted to just not talking about Ethiopia at all than giving them like a piece of a story that I didn't even really fully understand, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I say, I say that to say that, um, yeah, I'm still learning. Um, I think I made a lot of mistakes. I think I admit to my naivete, Especially on soul cries. Even in times of peace, it was lies. Under the surface, some tribes were denied. I always knew we had a sense of false pride. But the stolen land and the lost lives were something new to me. I used to see the country beautifully, but never truthfully. Youthful and free, you could say naive. Child of the East, raised in the West. They only tell you about their best and leave out the rest. Who got sacrificed? Who got left? And who's still suffering yet? Lake Tana sunsets with my soul cry. I grew up not knowing about um, different ethnic groups and different things that different ethnic groups were going through in Ethiopia. Like my idea of Ethiopia was through very like rose-colored glasses, you know? And the genocide, you know, in Tigray was something that rocked my whole sense of home, you know? Mm -hmm. And I know that that's so super lightweight compared to like what you and your family and anyone who is like has loved ones in the middle of it had to go through these last three years you know um and I couldn't I couldn't possibly like have spoken to those things as much as like you could and you did you know mm -hmm. so yeah it, it really it really meant a lot to have your voice on those songs you know yeah I thought it was um it, sh it shouldn't be but I thought it was courageous of you to be honest, to mm. have me on as uh, a Tigrayan, you know, just thinking about, because the Tigray genocide has mostly, largely mm -hmm. felt like 
an issue for Tigrayans and, and no one else, right. uh, and especially of Ethiopian descent, people of mm-hmm. Ethiopian. So I thought, okay, like, do you remember? I was like, I, I need to say Tigray here. It's very important because Tigray yes. gets erased. Yes. And so I, because there's been so much fallout for people, for all of us, there's been a lot of loss around just even saying Tigray, even saying there's a genocide happening in Tigray, that mm-hmm. we've lost, you know, friends and all kinds of connections and opportunities, which is, of course, all worth it because dignity is foremost. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I thought, okay, you being Ethiopian mm-hmm. and having a Tigrayan, I, I just thought that must have taken some courage because surely you would get some pushback. Yeah, it's, you know... Maybe I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it's like I haven't even, I didn't even think about it like on that level. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah. For me, I I kind of got I kind of already got the pushback way before even like coming to these songs, you know, mm-hmm. which was um through stuff that happened online on the internet, you know, and it was interesting. Like like if you don't mind, I want to get into the story a little bit. You know, I think you know some of it. Um, yeah. But uh. You know, I think it was, I don't remember the timeline anymore. I think it might have been later in 2020, you know? No, 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 no. Sorry. Later in 2021. Yeah. That was, yeah, really. Yeah. So we were, we were like some time into it. I think we were like some like six to eight months into it. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember when everything popped off, I wasn't immediately aware of it, you know, um, because I don't have family there, you know? Um. And then when I did start hearing about what was happening in Tigray, it was kind of through a filter that I wouldn't say was fair. You know, it was very much skewed to the Ethiopian government. Like it was through that filter, through their narrative, you know, and it it contradicted what people were saying. And honestly, it wasn't until like seeing, I mean, you, your sisters, you know, and a few other people that I know through the arts talking about like, yo, I can't find my relatives right now. Mm-hmm. Then it became like super real, you know, and I started looking into it. And um sorry if this is triggering, but um No, it's quite all right. I mean it's the reality. Yeah, but like the fucking like like rape, like as a tool of war, like that. Yeah. Like those yeah. stories in mass numbers, like that just broke me, you know? Yeah. And I remember I made a post about it, you know, um, and whatever. It was, it was just a real short post, you know. Um, it didn't get much response. I don't think a lot of people saw it, you know. Um, but then a couple of weeks later, uh, there was a call out that, you know, an open letter I signed, uh, Artists for Palestine, right? Mm. Um, I signed it. I shared it. and. Immediately, like in my mentions, were a lot of people upset that I had spoken out about Palestine, but I hadn't mentioned or been vocal about what was happening in Tigray. People were upset with me, and I get it. I'm not mad at those people, and I never was, right? Some of my people were, you know, and I had to tell them, like, yo, chill. Like, (laughs) if your family was in the middle of this and you felt like you were completely alone Mm -hmm. and there's other Ethiopian people that have a voice, that have a platform, and they're not speaking to it at all, I would be pissed too, you know? Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't care about their feelings or being cordial or any of that. I can't fucking find my relatives, you know what I'm saying? So I, I completely 
completely understood why people were calling me out and they had a right to, you know what I mean? Um, so after that happened, I made a longer post, both about like, yeah, shit is real. You're right. We should be speaking out more. And also there was kind of this thing about um, comparing, comparing what was happening in Tigray to what was happening in what's been happening in Palestine for 75 years, you know, like, I felt like that's not a fair comparison either, you know, and it doesn't, it's not helpful to compare those two things, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, no, comparison isn't, yeah, I think I understand, I I recall, right, I recall some, some of that. I got so much blowback from that, from both sides. I got people angry at me for not saying enough, but I got even more, I got anger from people that they were mad at me for speaking up and even saying that there was a genocide happening in Tigray oh, from, yes. from members of my own family. <laughs> you know yes, that's you know? what I mean about the so, pushback. Yeah. So the put, so I felt like the pushback. That was that was a very long way of saying like I kind of already felt the pushback just from that little moment, and and it was pushback that didn't even happen publicly. You know, so when it came to inviting you on an album, that was just like, man, I hope. I hope she'll say yes. <laughs> that was it. Like I was, well, that was my, it. yeah. My only concern was like, well, dang. I, I I hope I hope she says yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Well, I yeah. you know I feel I felt and still feel a responsibility to raise awareness about Tigray genocide. So right. any opportunity, I want to take you know to the extent that I'm comfortable, of course. But I want to take advantage of because so many people still don't know. People are just learning about Tigray now, right. you know, because of what's going on with Palestine, you know, bringing it to yeah. current events is, and so there's sort of this resurgence of information coming out about Tigray again. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I, yeah, I was going to say yes, because it's my duty. You know, I felt I owe that to my people. Oh, that's my family. Mm-hmm. Both, you know, those who were killed and those living. Mm-hmm. Right. So so you lost you lost people in the middle of oh, that yeah. too. I don't know anyone who didn't. Yeah. I don't know yeah. anyone who didn't. I don't know single yeah, to grind. I'm so sorry. Yeah. yeah. It's so wild because, like, for people that, like that are not from Ethiopia, who don't understand, like, you know, just how incredibly like diverse that one country is. Like, you know, over eighty different ethnic groups, yeah. um, and you can be from one part of Ethiopia and literally just not know anyone in the other part. And it's one of the things where like, even while, you know, people were really vocal and really opinionated one way or another on the internet, like a lot of people I felt like were, they wanted to call themselves an expert as to what was happening in Tigray because they lived in Addis uh-huh. And I'm like, and I know like, those are two different worlds. You don't, you don't get, you know, if you don't have anybody in Tigray, you don't know. You right. know? right. And there were people that didn't even know that in mm-hmm. Addis, there were like mass arrests and, you know, of Tigrayans and put in constant, like it's mm-hmm. all that was also taking place. But if it's, if it isn't happening to you, or if there isn't a curiosity about that, it's mm-hmm. easy to believe what you read on yeah. the newspapers or the media in Addis. So some mm-hmm. of that is ignorance and yeah. some of it is willful ignorance, right? Yeah. And some of it is done by design too, because, you know, one thing, one thing I knew immediately was, you know, you can't, you just can't trust 
news coming out of Ethiopia when it's through the government's mm-hmm. media, media, you know, which is basically all the, all the newspapers mm-hmm. and the television is government media. Like we yeah. don't have, we don't have different channels <laughs> of news out of Ethiopia. You know, it's the yeah. government story and then it's independent media, social media, word of mouth, people on the ground, that kind of thing, you know? So, right. yeah, it can be really, it can be really confusing and hard to get like accurate information I find, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And even right now, like I'm hearing about more violence, like in Amhara. Yeah. I, yeah. Like. Which is, I mean, Ethiopia does not need another war. Mm-mm. Whatever it is over, whether it's land or sea or it's, it's always the people who pay. Of and course. I think who are these people making calls for war? Like, yeah. you know, it's more than a cliche to say no to war. Like we should all just be anti-war. Absolutely. Right. Like, because who does that serve? What did the three yeah. years of Tigray genocide? What what was the like? What was the point of that? What was gained? Seems like there was only loss. I agree. I agree completely. You know, I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to even fathom or think about going back now. Hmm. And it's wild to me seeing like friends of mine. Just go back, like nothing, like everything's peachy keen, you know. Mm-hmm. People were <laughs> doing like, that during the genocide. Yeah, going to like just, just, just to visit, nice. like holiday, like you yeah. know, like. I mean, like everything's fine here. Look at this video. It's like, yeah, but where are you? <laughs> yeah, these different realities, you know. Yeah. 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 What are What are your thoughts about going back now? Um, I'm not ready. Yeah, that's what it is. I, I want to go back. Definitely mm-hmm. want my daughter to know where she's from. Yeah. Um, but I, I have a lot of healing to do. You know. Right. Because it's not in the past yet. You know, there's you yeah. have the gunfire, the warfare stopped, but with the siege and not, you know, people are starving. I have family members. Mm. My phone. Now that you know, there's telephone access. Mm-hmm. There's people asking for food all the time and there's so many people to try and support. It's overwhelming, right? Mm-hmm. And um and that's and that's okay. It's a privilege to be burdened, right, by that. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But um to be emotionally, to I yeah. think I'm I'm not ready. I, I have not recovered from the past three years. It changed mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. in a way I I haven't even begun to process. I yeah. had to go back to therapy, my own therapy. I had to I had to yeah. go back and say, I want to make sure that my greatest fear was I don't want this to change me. I don't want mm. to be the thing I hate. And I felt mm. I was at risk. My heart was hardening. It was like mm-hmm. I could not bear to, to just anything. Ethiopia was like starting to be pain, to pain me to a degree that I just know isn't healthy. And right. so I'd yeah. like to get to a better place. You know, and I, I don't have like, I'm not mm-hmm. talking about forgiveness, but I just mean to be able to feel mm-hmm. um, collected and gathered internally to be able to go and, and yeah. not feel triggered left and right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. I mean, I feel like I, you know, it's wild because I don't have people that were in the middle of it. And I don't want to go back for the same reason. <laughs> you know, I feel like I will be triggered. I feel like, you know, 
don't let me meet people that took part in this, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, and I don't want to like go there and suspect that people have been a part of it or, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to go to a place where I'm going to be surrounded by these fights, these conflicts, these arguments, anytime it comes up, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm somebody that doesn't even have people in the middle of it. So I can't imagine how deep that must be for you, you know? Yeah. And yeah. also, you know, grappling with the realities of the losses, right? Like, yeah, you know, we weren't there for funerals and people died that, mm. that I love. And so yeah. I'm like, I don't know. So I'm, I'm going to need more time, maybe Absolutely. another couple of years. Absolutely. Yeah. Are, are there any jewels that you've picked up from therapy that have helped so far? Yeah. Oh gosh. My therapist is amazing. Um, well, what she says is, I don't know if it's, um, she says that my, my greatest tool Mm. is also my wounding and that it is Mm. because I feel so deeply, but that's the thing that's going to keep me from becoming hardened and sort of wanting to, you know, not Mm -hmm. consciously, maybe I can't imagine that I'd want to hurt, hurt or harm anyone, but, um, just to be unempathetic to other people's plights. And so that I continue to feel my experience to not feel the need to just say, okay, like, let's move on. And because I feel so deeply, I can, um, I can feel all there is to feel and then mm-hmm. maybe get through to the other side of that. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. just continuing to, to make space and be present to what's happening. And that's yeah. for all of us, you know, even as a clinician, I, I you know, I know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think we're most at risk when we don't feel. That's right. So. That's right. Yeah, it makes me think of my my pops a little bit too. You know, he's a he's a Vietnam War vet, mm. and and um. I didn't know I that. Yeah, I don't think he ever. I don't think he ever had went to therapy about it, but it completely shaped his the rest of his life. You know, for one, he joined the anti-war movement the day he got back and has never turned back. Mm. My dad is still at every protest to this day, handing out leaflets that he wrote with his comrades, you know? Um, But the other side of it is, you know, my dad doesn't really, he isn't really able to communicate with people on a heart level, you know? Um, Mm. It's hard for him to connect with people on anything that isn't related to war imperialism the things he's fighting against you know like he's still i think in a, in a way still very much in that conflict you know in mm. ending in ending all kinds of conflicts like that that might arise you know around the world um mm-hmm. he's like consumed by it completely yeah wow. yeah yeah so i don't know i think about that i think about our families like all of our families in the diaspora, right? Like, um, we've all been displaced by a conflict, whether it was, you know, <laughs> which generation, you know, which mm-hmm. generation's conflict was it, right? Um, and the things that our parents had to do to survive and what we can learn from that and what we can do differently, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's all we can do too, right? Mm-hmm. We, can, we can't do anything about what's, happened but now we can make different choices and try to even just change the framework 
for the, those who come after us so that they're not fighting the same systems we're fighting. Absolutely. Right? That led to displacement. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you wish, if anything, um, that more people knew about Tigray? Oh, I don't know why that makes me emotional. <laughs> I'm sending, um, you a, sending you a hug over, I'll the, take over the wires. <laughs> I, you know, I think there's been, unfortunately, a very um, successful campaign to dehumanize Tigrayans. Mm. You know, the thing with what's, you know, the genocide of Palestinians that is happening now and has been happening all these years, obviously. Mm. Um, that's brought up a lot again for me um, because there are so many parallels, the Mm. ways that Tigrayans, you know, even the words like rebel, which technically Mm. isn't as bad as it gets, but Mm -hmm. um, there's just been the language used to describe Tigrayans has been like, you know, likening us to animals and terrorists Mm. and Mm. unruly, you know, all just this negative as if we're not human beings with blood and heart and love. And so I just wish the people knew, and I think they are, they're starting to, or maybe that's my hope, but for Mm -hmm. any people, not just Tigrayans, but, or Tigray, but that there's beauty in all of us. And there's, there's also um, less than beauty in all of us, you know, whether that's that, to be human, for a Tigrayan to be human doesn't mean that we need to be perfect, that that's not what it means to deserve to live or to deserve to not be killed right. by the hundreds and of thousands, right? So, I mean, right. it seems simple, but I feel that if Tigrayans and Palestinians and all oppressed people, Black people in America, right, if mm-hmm. we were seen as human as everyone experiences themselves, then that that may do it. That may at least lessen the harm, if not eliminate it, you know? So Absolutely. just to know that we're people like everyone else. We love. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we rage. We have many yeah. flaws. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's hard. It's hard to hate someone when you know their story, when you really learn their story, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it becomes impossible if you, you know, if you open your heart to it, you know? Yeah. You recognize yourself in them. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I was going to, I was going to ask you why you feel it's important to speak up for Palestine now, but I feel like you kind of answered that already. Oh yeah. It's, how can I not? Right. Right. How can I not? It's mm-hmm. horrific. It is mm-hmm. You know, again, no comparison, but yeah. it and on some level, it, it's to me, you know, worse than what's happened in Tigray in that the whole, there was a time when I thought, surely if people could just see what's happening in Tigray, if mm. they could just see it, then, you know, they would believe it and be moved to action. But we are seeing what's happening. We're watching these videos there are journalists and people who are risking their lives to bring mm-hmm. that to our screen. So we, and, and still mm-hmm. they're being massacred in the way that they are. And so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I, I can't, I, I don't have a choice. I have to say something. I, at the very least, I have to bear witness and yeah. share their story. Yeah. Absolutely. And continue to learn more about it. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You're right about the um the videos and the, you know, the social mm. media, the on the ground reporting. Like that was something that we didn't really see from Tigra. No. At least at least I didn't. It wasn't coming yeah. across my feeds. I would love yeah. to. You know. I mean, we knew because we were hearing about it, but it, what it means, yeah. like it was Tigrayans who were just saying that things mm-hmm. were happening and exactly everything was being disputed, but there's no disputing live footage. Right, right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to have this conversation with you at this time because of those connections. And also, like, um, it is interesting, like, seeing everything that's happening in Gaza and in Palestine right now. It is kind of like people are like, wait a minute, there's other genocides happening in the world right now. Like I'm seeing more people speak about Congo, you know, mm-hmm. I'm seeing Sudan. more people in Sudan. Yeah, exactly. Um, and to be honest, I was late to even learning about what was happening in Sudan, to be really real with you, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I'm still learning about that one. Um I'm thinking about the interconnectedness of our struggles, you know, and the and the, the similarities, the differences, and just how we can support each other, you know. With with Palestine, I think I said this to you in the studio. Um, you know, with Palestine, it feels urgent in a different way because it's very clear to me how the United States are the ones that are paying for these bombs, mm-hmm. you know. Like the U.S. could pull the plug. The U.S. is the ones that, you know, they send more aid to Israel than any other country. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think I think I the last number I heard was what 75 percent of Israel's military is funded by the United States. So that one is like, yeah, if we pay taxes here, we're complicit in this genocide. Mm-hmm. So. And I've known that for like 20 years. So I feel like it's just. Yeah. It's just a no-brainer. Like, like we need to, yeah. we need to do what we can to stop this one. Yeah. When it comes, and I to hope Tigray, the momentum continues. Yeah. Right. When it comes like, to Tig- Tigray and Sudan and Congo, like I don't know what to do in these cases. You know, like. Mm. Sorry, what do you do? You mean with Palestine? Your, what is it doing that that you that you feel you I can know, do? Yeah, I know that we're in like. Like as a citizen, right, of the United States, I know that we're like in the belly of the beast kind of when it comes to like, I don't know who's funding things in Sudan, in Congo, even in Tigray. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel less empowered to to do something like I could raise my voice and I do. But like, I don't know. Well, we can. I will. Can I can I add to that a little bit? Yeah, I'm, yeah of course. The U.S. Course. is definitely nothing happens i feel you know and i'm sure mm-hmm. you know without the u.s mm-hmm. this is uh, approval so if there's a mm-hmm. genocide if there's anything happening anywhere in the world my my perspective is that if the u.s wanted to intervene they would intervene and mm-hmm. unfortunately tigray was in a place where they wanted to intervene and there's reasons for that right because mm-hmm. ethiopia's resources and whatever else there's that self-interest that they were advancing. And so mm-hmm. they didn't even want to call it a genocide. I mean, and yeah. so same with, with what's going on with Palestine and what we're learning about the Congo and Sudan, where they mm-hmm. stand to benefit, where I guess we should say we, because we're in the U.S., but right. where the U.S. stands to benefit, then they're going to put their money towards the person that's going to preserve that for them, right? And so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
as the most powerful nation, if, if that's, you know, still the mm-hmm. case, that, that it's safe to say mm-hmm. that when you don't know, it's probably the, the U.S. has got its hand in it, to be Some, honest. Somehow, some way. Somehow, right? some way. They're funding someone who's funding someone who's funding someone. Yeah, no, that's real. And they might and they might be arming the people that are doing the thing, yeah. you know. Yeah, and there are other countries too. Obviously, it's not the you know Turkey, and mm. yeah, there were so many people who were supplying drones to the Ethiopian army to carry mm. out what was happening in Tigray. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's mm-hmm. all about yeah their self interest, and so we just do a little digging. It's not follow the money, as my friend says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish the outcry. You know, it's like. It feels like when it's African lives, the outcry isn't the same, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's something we as Africans, um, African descendants, mm-hmm. we need to really wrestle with, right? Mm-hmm. For ourselves and also maybe find a way to to make it felt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because, yeah, it doesn't garner as much attention. Nowhere near. Nowhere mm-hmm. near. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And while it's not good to compare, it's very important to observe. Yeah. To discern. And I think those connections are super important, you know? Like, I'm glad people are connecting these stories now. You know, they're connecting it all, you know? Not everyone, but some people are. More people are now than they were, like, six months ago, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, Love to you. Love to your family. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, Love I know. to you and yours. Thank you. I know. I know you gotta. You gotta go pick up a child soon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was hoping. I was hoping we could end on a on a hopeful note. You know, if there is one. Um, yeah. What do you? What do you hope people get from your work? Just going back to your poetry. Hmm. What do I hope they get from my work? I hope they encounter truths that mm-hmm. they recognize. Like, I think that's all I want is to, because I write with that same hope for myself. Like when I'm sitting and I'm trying to write something, I'm hoping to get at something I sense, but maybe it eludes me. And so I don't feel like a piece is complete until I have something of a revelation, whether I'm writing about a fight with my sister or whether I'm I'm writing about Tigray or, you know, police brutality in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, I want it. I just think truth is, has become so hard to find, mm-hmm. so hard to recognize that I'm hoping that if I can be as truthful as possible in my writing, that that truth will then reveal itself. Mm-hmm. And not for any specific impact, just for um, having, like, being clear about what's what's true. Yeah. Because so much these days, it's hard to discern. Mm-hmm. It's like, so, yeah, that I think is my hope, that someone can recognize and say, this feels really true. This is coming yeah. from a real place. Yeah. And I, I think I know this feeling. I think I know this, this struggle. Yeah, that's real. That's real. Thank you. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for being real. You know, it comes across on the page, in person, (laughs) in your voice, in all the ways, you know. Oh, you're sweet. I really appreciate you. I'm so glad that we 
have gotten to know each other better and, and likewise. Sort of journey in this way. Yeah. I cherish your friendship. Thank you. Yo, likewise. Let me know. Let me know when you want to do the audio book or wh- whatever. Oh yeah. You know? I have plans. <laughs> I got, I owe you some recording. Let's go. You got it. You'll be hearing from me. <laughs> All right. Thanks Gabe. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I want to thank my friend B. Lynn Nahiwet for being so generous with her time, her stories, her voice, not just on this podcast, but also on the album from the ashes of our homes. Be sure to follow her on Instagram at Nahiwet and support that book, Plenty. It's available right now via her website, nahiwet.com. You're listening to the Worldwide Underground. My name is Gabriel Teodros. The best way to support the work we're doing here is at gabrielteodros.substack.com. You can become a subscriber, support it at any amount that makes sense for your budget. And we'll keep bringing you new stories, mixes, music, audio storytelling, and more every single week. Appreciate you all so, so much for rocking with me every week. Till next time, be good to yourselves, be good to each other. Free Palestine. Free all oppressed peoples across this planet. And we'll be back with you very soon. Peace.